0: Life Audio
1: Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com.
0: Hello. Thank you for listening to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping you discover, embrace, experience, and live out the full freedom of Christ. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and I want to begin today's episode with a question that I need to continually ask myself, and that's who or what most drives our actions? More specifically, in what ways do we tend to give other people power over our time, our emotions, our dreams, not to mention our relationship with Jesus Christ? And what might our lives look like if we allowed God and God alone to drive us and to shape our hearts? Because to paraphrase the Apostle Paul's words in Galatians 1 verse 10, we cannot live for people and for God. At each moment, one will win, simultaneously leading us towards victory or defeat, increased peace and joy, or anxiety and frustration and soul-deep fulfillment, or a sense of futility and loss. And Here's what I find ironic. Most often, it's our fear of loss, of relationships, respect, or admiration, of missing out on future opportunities, that trap us into unhealthy cycles of people-pleasing, when in reality, whenever we allow others rather than God to dictate our day, we rob ourselves of those very things we're so afraid of losing. Now, I want to pause for a moment to speak to those of you who are event planners or ministry leaders. My team and I, together or individually, would love to come speak courage and freedom into the hearts of your people. Visit the Holy Love website to learn about our numerous speaking topics and conference options or to book us for your next event. We also have made a great deal of content accessible for free online, so make sure to reach out for more information on that as well. In our ongoing battle against fear, We don't often consider everything our fears themselves cost us, nor the incredible beauty our fear-fighting God is calling us towards. Consider for a moment what your life might look like, where God might take you, were you to allow Him and only Him to lead you. Because that is the only way you and I will ever experience the depth of life Christ promised, or to phrase it differently, we will only experience spiritual and emotional vitality, unshakable soul-deep joy and peace to the extent of our surrender. Because here's the thing, whenever we say yes to something, we're automatically saying no to something or someone else. Or maybe we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we can somehow juggle it all, say yes to everything, everything that God has called us to, and all those other tasks we feel pressured to accept, but we can't. Whatever we take on that God hasn't assigned steals time and energy for what he has, And with our time and energy divided, we are in essence saying no to everything.
1: Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact.
0: In a previous episode, number 66, titled Trusting Our Good Shepherd to Lead Us, Kimmy Miller shared a painful and unsettling time when she sensed God asking her to step down from a thriving women's ministry that was connected with one of the largest churches in the Omaha area, so meaning one in which she was impacting thousands of lives. I imagine this was something she wrestled with, knowing that to obey God, she would inevitably be letting people down. Her boss? other people on her team, the women they served. And if you've ever served in ministry or on any team project, you know how demanding this can be, how everything can feel so urgent, and how much everyone is needed. And so not wanting to add to anyone else's already heavy load, nor wanting to see them fail, we might feel pressured to remain. And there are times when that is necessary, when God asks us to faithfully finish a season or a project, or to remain until a suitable replacement is found. God often begins to turn our hearts to stir up a sense of discontentment, or the feeling that a particular position is no longer the best fit, before he gives his exit orders. Therefore, we wait, we pray, and we remain alert and sensitive to his spirit, trusting him to tell us when to leave. But we also need to recognize there might never be a good time, except when God says it is. We live in a rushed, hectic, overscheduled world where we have learned to maximize every moment. Sort of like how air will expand to fill the space it's in, we humans are great at filling up each empty space in our agendas, adding yet one more project, one more meeting, one more training, and one more task. And in this, we have a choice. We can persevere, and if that's how God leads, that's what we need to do, knowing that he will use the stress and whatever challenges we face to grow and to prepare us for whatever lies ahead. But if God makes it clear it's time to leave, We need to trust him. We need to trust that he knows the full situation, how it affects you and everyone else much better than you do and much better than I do. And that he has a good and loving plan for us, for our teammates and our coworkers as well. So that means if he calls you to leave your exit, however uncomfortable or inconvenient, it's for their best as well. Maybe he wants to shut that project down, make people aware of a problem they might otherwise remain oblivious to, increase their efficiency, or bring them to a place where they'll recognize their need for him. In those instances, our yeses, no matter how caring and kind they might seem on the surface, they could actually be harmful, and our no could be a necessary act of love. As a ministry leader who works with numerous volunteers, I've been on the receiving end of that equation many times. I have felt the squeeze and the momentary panic when a high-capacity team member believes God is calling them to step down. And early in the ministry, I would wear myself out trying to catch every ball someone else had dropped without really taking the time to discern which ones God wanted us to catch and which he wanted us to let fall. But I could only maintain that frantic pace for so long. Before reaching the proverbial end of myself, the end of my joy, I began to hate the ministry I once loved, and I nearly walked away. God used that experience to deepen my surrender and to weaken the stranglehold I had maintained that, unchecked, would have killed the ministry more thoroughly than losing all of my volunteers, damaging relationships and people in the process. I realized if God wanted our ministry to fail, there was nothing I could do to prevent that, no matter how hard I tried or how many people I recruited. But it was the flip side of that that brought me incredible growth, confidence, and soul deep peace. Because I also knew if our ministry was of God, and he made it clear numerous times that it was, then he, not Jennifer Slattery or the most amazing team, would carry and sustain it to do precisely what he intended through precisely who he intended God also used that time to purify me, to displace the idol of self, characterized by a desire to elevate myself rather than God, while deepening my love for my commitment to him. To choose him, we must first die to self. Now, we see this in Kimmy's journey as well, although I don't know what all she wrestled with during that time or if her pride tends to rise up as fiercely as mine does or at all. But I do know that stepping away from a thriving, high-profile endeavor to the quiet of one's prayer closet requires a great deal of humility and surrender. This meant relinquishing a role that had caused many to view her with respect and adoration. Plus, God didn't give her a clear indication of where he was leading her, other than to himself, of course. It wasn't like she was leaving one ministry to serve with another better or bigger ministry, or according to her knowledge at the time, another ministry at all. So how would you have felt in that situation? Would you maybe have feared that God was done with you? That his temporary no was permanent? And would your mind have traveled down all the potential opportunities that you might have been forfeiting? The promotion that you would never see, the commendation or the raise that you might never receive. Psychologists refer to this as fear of missing out, FOMO for short. And yet, despite all of the unknowns and potential for loss, Kimmy humbly and courageously told humans no in order to tell God yes, because she knew God's best comes through obedience always. God anoints His plans, not ours. He empowers us for the tasks that He assigned, not what we take on apart from Him. We reach that empowered, peaceful, confident state through trust. Trust in God and also trust in the person to whom we must say no. Or to state it conversely, our battle with people-pleasing, it reveals a lack of trust in God and whomever we're striving so hard to please. It reveals that we're not certain that God's ways truly are best, that he knows what our souls most crave, that role or assignment that will make us feel vibrantly alive, that he has the power to lead us in love, or that he'll manage well whatever fallout our obedience creates. Therefore, our first and best battle plan must involve growing closer to Christ, getting to know and to trust his heart and his ways. And that was precisely what Kimmy did. She took time to simply rest, to pray to listen, to recalibrate her soul, letting his voice grow loudest. And eventually he brought her to the Holy Loved Ministries team, to our speaking team, where she now speaks at numerous churches throughout the metro and here on our podcast, where she speaks to hundreds of thousands more people and through an outlet I doubt she'd even considered before. And it all began when she said no to what God was no longer calling her to in order to free up time for what he was. When we're afraid to tell someone no, that reveals distrust in them as well, that we don't trust them to respond well, that we don't trust them to want our best, to want us to fully honor God and obey God. And therefore, we might need to evaluate our relationships. Is that relationship, is it strong And is it healthy? And that gives us kind of a starting point from which we can work. And back to Kimmy's story, here is where God's story actually becomes even more beautiful. Not only did Kimmy's no free her to say yes to her next assignment, it created space for the woman who came in behind her, who filled her former role. Someone who, as far as I can tell, is rocking her position and experiencing incredible joy, growth, and increased intimacy with Christ. The impact of our decisions extends far beyond us and this moment. Our disobedience, which is what every step not taken in faith is, that can hinder others' calling as well. It can keep them from discovering and embracing an assignment or a role that potentially will make them come alive. So let me give an example from scripture. Now, this was early in the church's history. Jesus had risen from the dead. He had ascended into heaven, leaving his now spirit-empowered disciples to carry on the mission that he had started, bringing life and light to those living in darkness. And in Acts 2, verses 46 and 47, we read, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This was a time of rapid expansion and community building where God used those who had means to provide for those who did not. Such a beautiful example of the unifying power of the gospel. But, as often occurs when God unleashes his supernatural power into our lives and our organizations, the church began to experience growing pains. Acts 6 verses 1 through 7 states, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. excuse me for butchering their names, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, notice the disciples' response in verse 2. They said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God. In order to wait on tables. So, in other words, they saw, they acknowledged the problem, the need, but they knew they were not the ones to fill it. That's something I have to remind myself of often as a ministry leader. God often allows me to see significant need. People working through past trauma, those who feel isolated, who want to experience the full freedom of God, but don't quite know how. I see and I care deeply for each need he makes me aware of. My my empathy, fueled by a bit of a savior complex, evokes a gut reaction where I long to fix the problem, whatever that problem is. Not terribly long ago, this drove me to school to pursue a master's degree in counseling. My heart to help was good, and I'm certain the love and the sense of urgency I felt came from God. But I realized pretty quickly he was not calling me into counseling. He was not calling me to personally fill that need. He'd made me aware of it. He'd placed it on my radar, so to speak. Maybe initiating a spark, Holy Love Ministries will one day, as a well-equipped team, be able to step into. And while I do, and I did talk to numerous people going through hard circumstances, and I do my best to encourage them and to pray for them, I have learned my role isn't to fill every hole or meet every need personally, but instead to remain alert to them, to tell others about them, and to prayerfully inspire people to, A, first, seek healing so that they can become instruments of healing, and two, find their place in God's overarching redemptive mission, to become a part of the solution themselves. Through years of ministry, and if we've trusted in Christ for salvation, our entire lives are ministry, but through years of ministry, I have learned the needs— Will always surpass our resources. As Jesus stated in Matthew 9, upon seeing crowds of hurting, hungry, and spiritually enslaved people, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So in other words, y'all can't do this alone. Do your part as I lead and ask the Father to stir someone else to help to do their part. Often there are already resources in place. So let me give another example. I get a lot of people who will reach out to me saying, hey, I want to write a book. Can you read my content? Can you give me some feedback? Would you mind critiquing my work? And while I do, I love to pour into people and, and to share what I've learned. I can't do that with every email I get. It just, that would be, my entire time would be spent reading other people's work and not fulfilling the things that God has called me to. And so there was one particular individual who reached out to me and said, hey, would you read this, this content? I did, I gave some feedback and then I pointed them to some organizations where they could then connect with others and really grow. And had I kept reading this email, person's content, then they would have had no reason to go to that other organization where once they get plugged in, I'm assuming they got plugged in to that organization, they are able to receive encouragement and support to network to build critique partnership relationships. And so by not trying to fill that need, which I really didn't, I wasn't able to anyway. But then I am trusting that God actually will use that need to bring this individual to increase resources. And we're better able to say no, to to say, hey, that's not my part, when we know how God wants to use our time, our gifts, and our talents. The disciples, they understood this, and they knew what God had called them to. Although caring for the widows, it was an important and necessary task. When God commands throughout scripture, they knew first that God hadn't assigned that particular responsibility to them, and that he had, therefore, assigned it to others. And so, protecting their time for their best yes— They selected high-quality men, not the B-team by any means, but well-respected men filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom to oversee the task. Now, I doubt this was easy. Yes, the church was growing. Lives were being transformed, and the people were bonding together in love, but they were still human. People with all the insecurities, the pride, the selfishness, the faulty perceptions, as the people sitting beside me and you each Sunday. In other words, those believers had gunk, which means most likely a lot of them had been grumbling. Some may even have accused the disciples of playing favorites. And if you've ever encountered a similar situation, you know how easy it is to get pulled into whatever everyone else feels is urgent and necessary to say yes, even when that's not how God is leading. Even when you can't possibly squeeze another task into your day, because you're afraid people will interpret your no, as callousness, spiritual immaturity, and selfishness. The hard truth is, sometimes people will do that. Sometimes they will misunderstand and misjudge us. In such situations, we might be tempted to do whatever we can to alleviate the conflict and make the other person or the other people happy, especially if there's someone close to us or someone who holds influence over those we care about. But here's the deal. That might work in the short term, but... Eventually, we will find ourselves in shallow relationships where our words have lost all credibility. People will come to realize that we're simply telling them what we think they want to hear, and they will struggle to know when we're being real. What's more, in those situations, we will never truly feel accepted because we will never feel holy love unless we also feel fully known. When we courageously follow Christ, however, beautiful things happen. Happen. God breathes life into others, as he did with Philip and Stephen. Acts 6, verse 8 states, Now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. So, in other words, he impacted many people for Christ and no doubt made an unforgettable impression on Saul, who went on to plant numerous churches and write a good deal of the New Testament, thereby impacting God only knows how many people. Philip, whom scholars believe was someone other than the disciple bearing the same name, well, his ministry took off as well so that he in turn impacted many in Samaria, along with an Ethiopian official, someone with clout and power, who came to Christ and likely brought the gospel back to Ethiopia. As you can see, our yeses and our nos are important. We don't know what's ahead, the assignments God might give us tomorrow or a year from now, or who he might call to step into those roles that we gracefully decline. But our strategic, all-knowing, all-powerful, loving God, he knows. We can trust him with our yeses and our nos. So now the question is, how? How can we break the habit we might have spent a lifetime learning and reinforcing? Well, first, I would say through awareness and prayer. We can't change something we're not aware of or that we won't acknowledge, but if we really want to experience freedom in this area, we'll need to go deeper. We'll need to get to the root. We'll need to ask God to show us why we struggle to tell certain people no and to show us what we're most afraid of and why. As I've stated before, our fears make false proclamations regarding who God is and who we are to Him. Our fears lie to us. Therefore, to fight our fears, we need to first attack the lie. For example, if we're afraid of losing a relationship, this could mean we don't believe God can bring health from dysfunction, or that He'll in some way meet our need for human connection. If we're afraid of missing out on a future opportunity— This probably means we don't believe God has a plan for our lives, that he formed his plans knowing our current dilemma, or that he has the power to bring his plans to pass, to turn all things, our circumstances included, into good in our lives and the lives of those affected. And anytime we sense God leading us to say no, but fear motivates us to do the opposite, We're demonstrating that we don't believe God will care for us or that his plans are truly best. And so that's where we start. We start with our relationship with Jesus, with being alert to and evaluating our lies, with seeking out truth through scripture to replace those lies and asking for God's help in that. And Really, we will stay at that place for the remainder of our lives because we will always have more lies waiting to be uncovered and uprooted with truth. This is just a process of maturity as we develop day by day, Bible verse by Bible verse, the mind of Christ. We can also learn to respond well in a way that clearly expresses our decision while speaking love and respect to whoever issues us the invitation. So notice how the disciples responded to the widow's need, and this is in the New English Translation. After relaying what God was and wasn't calling them to, they said, But carefully select from among you, brothers, seven men who are well attested, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this necessary task. Some translations state this responsibility or this duty, but the original Greek wording has the connotation of something necessary or needed. So the disciples validated the role's importance, and they did their best to become part of the solution. People are more apt to graciously accept our no's when we acknowledge the need and its importance. And we can also lead with our fear. As a ministry leader over the years, I have had to have numerous hard conversations. And these this is with people that I have grown to really love. And I sometimes can battle insecurity and fear of rejection, just like everyone else. And so it makes those conversations challenging. Sometimes hard conversations can lead to conflict, right? And so often I will begin by affirming them, hey, I just value you. I really love our friendship. And I will say something, something that I know that they do well, specifically related to whatever it is I'm addressing. And then I will say, you know, I'm really having a tough time with this conversation because I love you so much. And I don't want to say something hurtful. And I also don't want to say anything that might challenge our relationship, but I feel like this is important for the team, for, for you, and I just feel like this is my role as a leader. And then I will launch into the conversation. Now, let's look at what this might look like for you. Say so you've had a really stressful Month Where you have not practiced self-care at all, your anxiety level and your stress level has been steadily increasing. And so you have planned a weekend to unwind, to maybe do some gardening, to, to read a book, to sleep in, to maybe spend some time with one of your friends going out for coffee. And another friend calls and asks you to watch her four energetic and often disobedient children for the weekend. Children that you know, I mean, you love them to death, but you know they are going to take a lot of energy and focus. Energy and focus that you're not sure you have. You need to spend that time recouping from your challenging month. Well, you could say something like, this is hard for me to say because I value our friendship so much, but this is an area I'm really trying to grow in. Because I struggle with insecurity and people-pleasing, I sometimes say yes to things I know God is nudging me to say no to. Or if they're not open to faith conversations, you could say, you know what, I, I really need to say no to this. Unfortunately, I am going to have to decline. Most people... People will respond with grace. And if they don't, well, that simply demonstrates that this is an area they need to grow in as well. Therefore, your firm yet you're loving no, it could help them move toward greater health, which will lead to deeper and more satisfying relationships. And therefore, that makes your no an act of love. And now this is something I like to do as well. I find it helpful to role play. And I do this a lot. I used to do it a lot more when I was really working towards being able to have calm, loving yet firm, hard conversations. And so my husband and I, we would go for a walk. And especially if I knew I was going to be having a conversation with someone who maybe was a little more reactive or, or who maybe I felt more insecure around. And so we would go for a walk and I would kind of tell him the situation and I would begin like I was having the conversation and then he would respond as if he was the other person. And then we would practice as many times as I needed to, in order to feel confident with myself and my response in order to get my words straight. And also in order to be able to present them in a calm and confident manner. Because when we are feeling insecure, when we are frightened, it can come out sometimes, our words can come out sounding more harsh, not because we intend them to, but because we're responding out of fear. Our fear does impact our presentation. Another lesson that I have learned, or that I am trying to learn, it's to slow down, to hit pause, to not be in such a hurry to respond. And I think that's even harder in today's culture with we've been trained to get instant access to things, instant answers to our questions. We've got our phones dinging and ringing and our computer notifications going off, and so it creates this sense of this false sense often of urgency in our brains. And we need to learn, or at least I need to learn, to counter that, to give myself permission to pause to slow down, to breathe deep, to think, and to pray. And so I might say something like this. You know, this sounds like an important role. Therefore, I want to give this decision the respect it deserves. I am going to for sure pray on this and I'll get back to you. When do you need my answer? And this does a few things. One, it models to them so that they can maybe start having these conversations with others as well. And it speaks value to them. You're not just cutting them off. You're not just giving them a rushed answer. You're saying, you know, I really want to evaluate this. And then it gives you time to pray, to think, and then should you choose to role play. Honestly, this is a really challenging area I believe for all of us but we can grow and if we begin to like i said uncover some of those hurts and some of those lies we can actually come out stronger more confident living a more joy-filled peace-filled a freer life and that's god's heart for us all thank you for listening if you haven't already done so i would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and you won't miss a single episode and make sure to rate it that encourages our team and it helps others to find it As well, and share it on social media that somebody else can be encouraged and draw closer to Christ. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free.
1: Hey, everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Steven Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. The love of God is immeasurable.